Hey everyone, it's Ariel Hawani, and I wanted to let you know that each and every week I'm part of a great program called the Ringer MMA Show. I host it alongside two absolutely brilliant minds. Their names, Chuck Mendenhall and Pete Carroll. And every Thursday, a new episode drops where we preview the weekend in mixed martial arts and react to all the biggest news. Plus, after every UFC pay-per-view, we give you a post-fight show. So this is what you have to do. Just follow the Ringer MMA show on your Spotify app so you don't miss an episode. We'll talk to you then. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out Live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. Arby's better not catch you slacking on snacking with their new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps. And your choice of ranch, barbecue, honey, mustard, and a bonus flavor called Incredible Value. You can't taste it, but boy, is it sweet. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of Weekends. I'm your co-host, Big Waz, a.k.a. Wazney Lambray, and I'm joined by my partner. You've read him in The Athletic. He's now a big part of the Dunked On Media Empire over there with my guys, Nate Duncan and Danny LaRue. He's used to work for the Milwaukee Bucks, so you know he's a big Bucks homer. My guy, Seth Martinow, what's going on, brother? I take offense at being called a homer, but other than that, how are you doing, Waz? It's been, it's been a while. It's glad to be chatting with you. It's been a minute, man. I know you, you, you're you very busy with your real job, traversing the planet, mainly Western Europe, um, drinking the finest wines, the, the most delicious hams, and the finest cheeses. I know that's what's going on over there, so I'm happy you were able to take some time out to talk to us today, brother. You make myself, my life sound so much more, uh, <laughs> so much more Austin Powers than it actually is. Austin Powers. I like that. Well, I wanted to get talk to you about a myriad of things today because, you know, obviously I, I value your perspective for a couple of reasons. One, you, you were in the media for years and then you started working on the team side. So you have both of those perspectives and then, you know. You do have a more analytical bent. Is that is that a correct way to to phrase that? I, I, I think that's fair. Okay. Yeah, so I wanted to talk to you about the scoring in the NBA. We haven't really touched on it on group chat or even here, but obviously anybody who's paying attention to the league this year recognizes how crazy the scoring is, obviously, on a team level and individual level. Like, we had two 70-point games this year. I think there's, like, 60 guys, if I'm not mistaken, scoring 20 points or more. We're, like, 
When I was growing up, right, and I was like seven years old collecting basketball cards, if a guy averaged 20 points a game, it was huge. It was like, this, this guy's clearly an all-star. He's clearly one of the best players. And so anybody who's been paying attention long enough sees the league is just, the points are just pouring in. My guy Habistro, on his show, he talked about, you know, possessions are up, and obviously people are taking and making a lot more threes. Is that it? Is that is that all there is to this? No. I mean, first of all, possessions are up. That That is certainly part of it. Second of all, we've certainly, the entire league has basically, I don't think there are any, no, we, we want to set up our plays to get, to, to get you know, catch and shoot 17-footers. That doesn't happen anymore. No, no. So offenses have gotten harder to guard. I think the rule set in place now has it's been trending pro offense for a while. I think you can trace a lot of yeah. the modern style back to kind of the relaxation on, on hand checking rules, you know, 20 yeah. years ago. But I think possibly with the degree to which the the, the, the carry rules have been have been interpreted, the way the the Dude. gather step rules have been interpreted, the uh, leeway that. Uh, screeners can get in terms of, of how much they can roll and move. Everybody's and KG now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, on, and then also just like um, you, you give, uh, you give crafty offensive players a clear indication on what's a foul. They're going to mm. be guys who play for that. So I think all mm. those things all sort of play into it. Oh, and then like uh, the, partially because of the rise of the three pointer, the skill level of players has, has risen, I think, because um, you know, kind of have to be able to do that to be on the floor. And, but on top of that, I think there's some stylistic things. One of my podcast partner at uh, Nerder, Moda Kia, likes to point out that defenses have become, become predictable. So it's mm. almost like offenses No, I mean, we know what the rotations are. We know what triggers a rotation. And if we can create situations because we can set a, a, a wide screen, shall we say, you can get into situations where, okay, we dribble the ball over here, do this thing, defense rotates, yep. you know, swing the ball open three. It's like, you know, press the button, get the prize. So that that that's part of it, and that makes it a little easier on offense. And then I think because offense has become so important, there used to be like the Keith Bogans player doesn't exist in today's game, where you have mm. a choice between, you know, a functional player, if he, but he's going to be a defender versus he's going to be an offensive player. It's they like always almost, go offensive, offense first now. Like, like how many te- how many teams are choosing? You know, the, the Suns are a special case because of who they have on their roster, so uh, they, they kind of are forced to have that be Tory Craig. But I think most teams, if you said, okay, your fifth guy is going to be George Nyang or going to be Tory Craig, I think by and large teams are all taking George Nyang, and that does two things: one, puts more offensive players on the floor; two, it puts more bad defensive players on the floor. Mm. So I think I, it's a it's a bunch of things rolling together, and I think this year it feels like almost we've hit a tipping point where yeah. it's it was it was rising, it's rising, and now this year it's just an avalanche. Yeah, you know when I'm watching this stuff, it's kind of crazy because a, a lot of my frame of reference is the LeBron Heat teams, right? Where they start off as this defensive juggernaut, and by the end they're kind of like. Mm-hmm a blah defensive team and they just score on people. And these <laughs> these groundbreaking lineups was Bosch, Shane Battier, D-Wade, 
and Mario Chalmers next to LeBron, right? And, you know, when they would close, of course, it was Ray Allen, who is all-time great. And even in that time, was like, holy shit, this guy's a supernova from three. But, like, <laughs> Shane Batty and even Bosh, who later on became a more willing and ready three-point shooter, these guys were not shooting. They certainly weren't letting it fly like George Niang. You know, like where it's just no hesitation. Anytime he has even a little bit of space in the corner or above the break, but he's just letting it fly. And I'm just like, that paradigm is is just gone. Like the people who are taking these shots, I'm I'm watching the Clippers the other day against the Warriors. And like, of course, Kawhi Leonard, when he gets into the teeth of the defense, you have to put two guys on him. Like he's Kawhi fucking Leonard. Like there's no other option. He's kicking it out to wide open Eric Gordon. Like this guy's not just a regular shoot. This guy is an insanely good shooter, right? I just think the difference of the open shots that are conceded, like these guys, not only are they shooting it with confidence, they're just way better than 10 years ago, even five years ago, it feels like. I think it's that, but it's also, I mean, maybe those guys on the heat weren't all willing to shoot, but you're talking about a lineup where there's, because Bosch can handle the ball, Bosch can play at the elbow, Bosch can initiate some stuff. I think you're seeing more lineups where there are five, four and even five guys who can do something with the ball. Right. We're almost, it's, mm. it's almost moving away a little bit from the, the sort of the, the not to use a, a, a you know a, a cliche term at this point, but the heliocentrism of mm-hmm. one guy handles the ball and everyone else does anything. Like you look at a team like like Utah this year, like they've had a lot of success because they don't have they don't have any superstar players, right? But there's five. Even Walker Kessler can run a DHO. Mm. So you have you have all of these guys who you help off of them, and they can make a play. They can they can keep the thing going. It's it's almost like everybody has some of the 2013-14 Spurs in their bag. Yep. Because, like, you know, Boris Diaw's skill set is now, like, a baseline rather than uh, – no, not everyone's as good at it as Boris Diaw was, but it's right. like you have to be able to do those things now as opposed to being, wow, they've got a guy who can do those things. Yeah, and, that, and that's why it's great that you said the skill level because, you know, I remember when the stretch four became this, like, buzzy – word and everybody needed a stretch four because that was just gonna turn your offense into just you know completely unbelievable and then coaches was just i'm just gonna put a little guy on him he's gonna get in his shirt these dudes can't dribble they're definitely not posting anybody like it was nothing to get rid of a a stretch four who literally was just a 610 guy who shot threes it's like if you can't dribble if you can't read a defense if you can't punish a smaller guy your function is useless, right? Like it, they completely, they made that obsolete so quickly. Whereas now, like you mentioned, like these guys can do multiple things, not just swish a corner three-pointer, right? Yeah, it's Marcus Morris, not Richard Lewis. Right. You know, I think right. I, Richard Lewis probably a little bit better. was probably, at least in his Orlando days, early Orlando days, was a better player than Marcus Morris is now. But the stuff you're talking about, ability to guard multiple positions, you put, he mm-hmm. ends up with a point guard on him. Marcus Morris can put that guy in the basket. Yes. And I mean, I mean two years ago, Marcus Morris could. Right, you know, sure, sure. Part, part, of, part of what we've seen with the Clippers this year is the fact that, you know, everyone's just a little bit older. But yeah. that's, that, but you know what I'm saying about that sort of arc yes. player. And so, yeah, you're right. It's not just it's not just a tall guy who's a spot-up shooter. It's a beefy three instead of a, a tall three almost. 
and I know somebody listening to this be like, all right, so where we like, what's the conclusion to draw from this? I know like I have, I, I you know, I like to fancy myself as a more intellectual basketball consumer, but even me, I get the sticker shock, old man knee jerk of just like, come on, guys scoring 160 and regulate. This is nonsense. This is hogwash. You know, has it gone too far? Do we need to sort of address this in the rules? I know me, like the foul seeking behavior, I, I I want that shit completely eradicated. I want people, I want to see people get punished. Like Eric Gordon, not only did they not call the foul, for him when he jumped into the guy clearly they said no you actually get a foul right instead of even a non-call it's like no you're a foul I want to see more of that for the foul seeking stuff I I, I really want to see people get penalized for trying to the trickery with the refs but is this a bad thing ultimately so on, on that on just on, on that that last point I'm a big soccer fan and I actually so they kind of they sometimes give yellow cards for diving Yes. I actually like it. I like it better yes. when the ref looks at the guy and just waves at him to get up. That's that's <laughs> that that to me is even like worse than a yellow card. Like, nah. like I want to see if Trey Young is gonna flail his arms into a guy and fall down. I want the ref to run by and look at him and just kind of go, nah. And 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 we just keep playing rather than them call the offensive foul. So yeah, some of it, some of it is rules. Like I think, yeah, we can, you know, do more to eliminate some of the foul seeking behavior. We can clean up the illegal screens a little. The lead, they kind of did some stuff with calling more of the carries, and mm-hmm. people didn't seem to like that very much. I mean, Jordan Poole can dribble for three weeks. Yeah, behind well, it. I mean, if, if, but I mean, if you can't dribble without putting your hand into the ball, maybe <laughs> you know. So I don't like. I don't know. That's that's that, that's something that has to would have to be probably communicated at the start of the year. It's like this this doesn't go anymore. You know the the, the big yeah um, the, the sort of the they oil all pump of, do it yeah. though. Just they yeah, all for, do it. But I think it's also, I mean, we haven't seen the next, like switching was supposed to solve everything, right? And what that's actually done is I think that's instigated the teams instead of having the, okay, well, we're going to switch and, we're gonna, and our point guard's going to end up on your stretch four and you can't do anything. Now it's like, well, this is a guy who can, who can handle the ball, who can do some things. So you switch and you're now at a disadvantage because he's not, he's not, maybe he's not the, maybe George Ney isn't the best player, but you put him in an advantage situation against a, a guy who's smaller than him. You can back him down, make a pass, do all those things. So that's – so that – I don't want to say that's negated switching because, you know, Boston with their full complement of players can still be a very effective switching defense. Switching team, yeah. Yeah. You know, the Warriors, when 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 they were, you know, whole and healthy this year, could still be a very effective switching defense. But I think a more of a, a – the next revolution sort of base guarder guy defense, the team that, that, that we've been looking at a lot this year who's kind of showing some some – some avenues for it has been OKC. They don't do a lot of like the soft switching early. They 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 stay home. They help and recover, and then late in the shot clock, they switch aggressively. They switch and trap aggressively. They're they're they are, you know, on offense. We we often talk about you know you want to get in a situation and just play basketball. Whereas the defense has become very rote, and OKC seems like all right, figure it out defensively a little bit, and and that you know that's a little harder to do. But if you know if you can do it well, the offense doesn't know what you're doing, and so you don't get those easy. Well, I'm just going to dribble the ball over here, call for a middle screen, and this guy's going to help onto the nail. I'm going to swing, swing, corner three on the other side, which is so often what we get with as predictable as as kind of NBA defenses have largely become, at least in the regular season. 
Yeah, so I guess what you're telling me is that defenses just need to become more dynamic. And if I'm honest with myself, you know, this is just how the pendulum swings at a certain point. Offenses gained the upper hand overall. I remember when fucking ice defense was first introduced and it was tripping people the hell up, right? Yep. And, and if I'm honest with myself, I'd rather watch this than that. So, yeah. <laughs> so, no, 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 I agree with I'm you. It's, with it, that. No, it's, I, I, like, I prefer, like, if we're going to go too far to one direction or the other, I would definitely prefer it to be too far to the offense. Yeah. But I think I, I, I kind of agree with you that we've maybe gone too far, too far. And can dial it back a little bit. I mean, we are, we've already beaten and are in the process of smashing the record for most 30 point and 40 point games in a season. Like, yeah. absolutely obliterating those. Like, yeah. we were basically like first or second night after the All Star break broke those records. And, you know, 50 point games is out of reach because, you know, Wilt in one season holds the all time record. And, and, you know, the Chamberlain records and many of them are still, are, are still intact. But, like, other than that, like, this is the first time there's ever been two 70-point games in a season. Crazy. Like, just, yeah. just crazy. Get off the bench and bet the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers 10 times your first bet in bonus bets. It doesn't matter if your first bet is an air ball. You'll still get up to $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. Tonight, my favorite bet is Golden State at the Atlanta Hawks. They are four and a half point underdogs. These guys are trying to maintain their seating in the West. They don't want to end up in a playoff playing game. I think they're going to play pretty hard. That's um, at plus 160. So there's some free money right there. With FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to which player will score for First, all on a top-rated sportsbook app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss out. Just visit, just visit fanduel.com backslash ringer NBA to get in on the action. That's fanduel.com backslash ringer NBA. Then place your first bet to score up to $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. 21 and over in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at fanduel.com backslash sportsbook. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fandu.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step. In Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat. In Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. In Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia.
This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. So, of course, I can't have you up here without talking about the Bucks. Your Bucks are riding high. They, they seem to be <laughs> the most – right now, this, it's inarguable. They're the most dominant team in the league right now. They are absolutely grounding people into powder on defense, just suffocating guys. You know, obviously, we know what Giannis does. A lot of people believe that Brooke Lopez should be in contention for Defensive Player of the Year. I tend to agree with them. Watching Drew Holiday, I can't say it enough. Like, what this dude does to all NBA caliber guards on a regular basis where he makes these guys look mortal in this offensive, crazy-ass, you know, sort of environment is is kind of nuts. They, they do seem to be the most dominant team in the league right now. Are you feeling like these guys should be the title favorites. I picked them, uh, yeah, having having protested that they're not my Bucks. <laughs> I did pick them to win the title before the season. I thought it was going to be, I thought it was going to be Bucks over Nuggets in the finals. And mm. now some of that was based on, you know, assuming that, that, that Chris Middleton was going to get back and healthy. And he's, he's not been great. <laughs> he's not been great, but he's been, he's rounding into, you know, good enough. They've gotten, they've gotten a lot more out of Joe Ingles than I thought they were going to. Brooke Lopez is having, as you said, a spectacular season. He's incredible. If I had a vote, I he I know he's probably the betting favorite now. If I had a vote, he'd be second. I th- I would still go with Jaron Jackson. Yep. But certainly, as of right now, but I think over the last month of the season, it, it's certainly like he certainly like Lopez could certainly like catch in in my mind where 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 Jaron has been, and so he's right there. And they and yeah, Giannis, and they have a bunch of like hard nosed physical. He can put great pressure on the ball. You mentioned Drew Holiday. Like, Javon Carter is, yeah, you know. He's a ball that's, Yeah, that's that, that that can't be fun to play against. It's like, yeah, you get, you're, you're you know, we get, they've got Javon Carter and Drew Holiday on the floor, and we're supposed to bring the ball up against that? Yeah. Like, that can't be a Crazy. lot of fun. Yeah, and, and, and the this, this shit about Ingles is important, too, because, you know, my skepticism with the Bucks will always be the same. I've, I've watched enough half-court playoff Bucks offense to be skeptical, right? Like, to be like, all right, as good as they can be, they're literally going to score 82 points in a freaking playoff game this year, right? Like, that's just, it's just what they do every single year. So I'm definitely skeptical. But I like what Joe Ingles does. Like, his savvy on the ball— 
of just understanding defensive, like where the defenders are placed. And like you said, predicting what defenders are going to do. Like it doesn't matter that he's not as quick or not that he was ever that quick anyway. Obviously, he's got a pull-up game when when defenses try to sort of sag off of what they're doing and help on guys like Giannis and and Brooke Lopez in the paint. I, I like what he's doing, but I don't know. Are, are they going to have enough offense in the playoffs is my question. I mean, I'll, I'd say everything you just said. Being six nine helps there too. Yeah, like be like that sort of opens up the entire court to you as a passer in a way that that it wouldn't necessarily be for like a six two point guard. I think if he can stay on the floor defensively in the playoffs, and that was that was always my concern. On top of the health, is he started to, even before he hurt his knee last year, he was really starting to look a little creaky. If he mm-hmm. can stay on the floor enough defensively. Just being able to run like mid middle pick and roll with him and Giannis or him and him and uh, Brooke Lopez or him and Bobby Portis, like that gives them a little bit of a floor on some offensive possessions that they haven't always had in 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 the last couple of postseasons. Like there isn't there there they haven't really hmm. mm. you know the, like you know the the fastball has always been okay Giannis drive really fast to the basket and then we'll yeah. see what happens. Beat the hell out of people. Yeah. And, you know, as team, you know, and, and it works. Yeah, and it works. But, you know, the, the Bucks do not have a do not have a, an all-world collection of shooters. So what happens is right. defense gets compact and he tries to do that and runs into a wall. And if the, you miss a couple shots, you start to tighten up. The defense starts to compact even more. And, and that kind of snowballs on itself. If they have another thing they can go to that isn't Giannis doing that or isn't like, you know, Chris Middleton mid-post ISO, that they can get some def- – they can create some defensive movement with. Like that's a – that's that's a, that is a, a club they did not have in the bag last year in a postseason. And, you know, but it's the, the, still the big if. I mean, whether or not he just has a giant target on his back defensively and, and, that, and he doesn't give enough offensively to overcome that. That's That's – I think that's a, the, the, the question, aside from health, for them entering the playoffs. I picked the Nuggets to win the championship this year. I thought they would play the Celtics. And I just really just, I was just like, look, I, I think they're going to score against anybody. And against this, particularly the Bucs, I feel like their defense can figure something out. <laughs> right? And, and obviously it would be a seven-game series and it's strength on strength. But it's just like, I think you can figure out how to guard these guys over the stretch, but you know, I, I could easily see it going the other way where their defense just straight up isn't good enough to contain what Giannis brings to the table and, and they get beat. But I do, they are still my pick to come out of the West. And I and I would give them a healthy chance against, you know, even the best teams in the East. But I, you know, because we we are getting you out of here, but I did want to get you on MVP because it seems to be outside of the John Morant shit, the stuff that gets people the most riled up. Who is your MVP for well, no, second, who is your MVP? But first, I need you to explain to me why are white writers so racist? Why, why, why are you guys so racist? You 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 media voters and tell explain the racism to me, please, Seth. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you trying to get me fired? Uh, I, I, no. For the record, I I, I understand it, it's not lost on me as a black man. How somebody could be like, man, you know, like Michael Jordan and Kareem and all of these people never won three straight MVPs. And but like Nikola I'm glad Jokic. you went there. I'm glad you went there. 
because a lot of that, oh, you can't win three like LeBron didn't and, and MJ didn't. <laughs> and the, the years where they didn't, we look back on say, oh, we, 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 can I swear on this podcast? We fucked up. Of course you can. We, we fucked up by not giving them, the, the, by giving it to Carmelo and Derrick Rose those years. We wish we hadn't have done that. But now we want to use that as precedent. Right. The three straight MVP thing is more that, you know, there's, if you look at guys who've won two straight, their third year has generally not been as good. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Giannis two years ago was, you know, they experimented in the regular season and it worked out and they won the championship. Um, aside from like, you know, the, the year that MJ would have won three in a row and LeBron would have won three in a row. And we recognize those as mistakes. Jokic has been better this year. Yes. Like he's so, <laughs> so, so he's not having the, the, okay, well, I just had two great seasons. It's like, okay. He's having know. his best season ever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was, he was certainly an unusual MVP the last two years, given the level of team success. Yeah. But it's two COVID years. So no shit. It was unusual. Like everything about yeah. the NBA was unusual the last two years. And so I don't like, like he had MVP worthy years, but he also kind of there was a little bit of by default because everyone else kind of who was on that level missed so much time. This year he has been the team has, he's had his he's had his guys back. The team has been better. He has been fantastic. He is like it, it's it's funny like the area where where like you know if you think that Giannis and Embiid are the, are the other top three candidates, and I think mm-hmm. I think those are the clear yeah, top three. I think that's the clear clearly the give, two, give, the two give or take Jason Tatum. I think I think Tatum's probably getting yeah. like he he's uh, he has the misfortune of having his best stretch of play at the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. which for whatever reason matters less in MVP voting because we have short memories because you know. How many crazy things has Kyrie done since since Tatum was amazing? <laughs> but but you know their supposed their supposed advantage on him is in scoring. And uh, Jokic is by far the best combination of of volume and efficiency in the NBA this year as a scorer. Mm. And mm. that's before you get into the fact the fact that he's possible like he's in he's not in the discussion of the best passing center of all time. No, there's no discussion. Passer. There. He is best passer of all time. And he's, yes. you know, and, and he's period, you know, full stop. We're like talking he, about Magic, Stockton, LeBron, yeah. whoever you want to put up yeah. there, Bird, whoever. Yeah. He's there. Like if, if he had if he had like prioritized it, he could be averaging a triple double this year. No, I'm not right. gonna say, oh, he doesn't stack that, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, He's, I mean, I think you you kind of saw it a little bit in the offense. This is, this game. is not like, the Westbrook stat padding. This yeah. is this is this is not yeah. that. It just, he, you just watch the games. He's he's doing he's making the right play every single time. Well, the, and there's also <laughs> games where he's like, oh, we don't need me to do that tonight. All right, I'll just kind of I'll just kind of sit out here and do my stuff, and I'll take nine shots tonight. We'll win by twenty five. Like he's done yeah. that. I don't, you know. Because Embiid and Giannis are trying to win MVP, I don't think you're going to see any any games like that from those guys. And that's not to you know, I I think stats only take you so far. Like stats get you in the conversation, but then trying to totally parse just from well, stats. Well, I want to talk about the parsing, yeah. right? Specifically yeah. with Embiid, I think some people would say that Embiid is he's a great def- offensive player. He's playing like there's no doubt about it. He's scoring at will essentially. If not a great offense unto himself. I think that's the difference, right? I think Jokic is an offense. Embiid is a great offensive player, but I don't obviously they're worlds apart on defense. I don't think that can be argued. And what would you say to some people that say Embiid is making up the difference defensively? 
I think that this is not as just from a night to night regular season impact. I don't think this has been Embiid's best defensive season. I think if if you're saying we're getting into like fourth quarter of Game Seven in a playoff series, who's going to bring it on defense? Yeah, uh, unquestionably. I also think that at least in a regular season setting, I think Jokic is a better defender than he's like he can't protect the rim. We know that, but he's got he's got he he's smart. He can be in good spots. Great hands. Gets tons of steals. So he's not a he's he's not the he's not the he's not Nick Vucevic on defense. Right. Put it that way. He's not Carl Anthony Towns on defense. Um, <laughs> so I, I think over the course of the regular season, I think yes, Embiid has been better and Giannis certainly has been better. But I think that the gap is much smaller than people would say. Uh, I think in terms it's, of it's, output or in terms of actual ability. In terms of output, I think again, okay, you, got you. you get it. You get us in a game, but the, but the MVP is not game seven of the playoffs. Yeah, MVP fair. is eight, is eighty two. Fair. And if we want to, if we want, I mean, we if we want to do a playoffs MVP award, I'm here for that. But I don't. I I get. I get. It's like it gets weird when we say, well, because. He, he can't win MVP this year because his starting point guard in the playoffs the last two years was Facundo Campazzo. Like, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, the Pizziolo. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, if you're, if you're going to, like, if you want to make the, the argument that you think Giannis or Embiid has a better season, I'm here for that. Like, those are perfectly credible arguments. Just the the attempt to the disqualify. The, oh, he got, yeah, he yeah, got yeah. smoked in the first round. The blah, 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 blah. Like, if... Talk to any Warriors fan. Jokic was by far the most scariest proposition that they faced in the playoffs individually. It's not even freaking close. He was he was dominant, okay? Like, he was dominant against the Warriors, who basically make everybody look human. That wasn't the case with Jokic in the playoffs last year. And I think the difference, what people refuse to bring up for me when, you know, the Giannis stuff, especially with the Giannis case... Giannis was worse in the playoffs during his MVP seasons. That made people feel like, yo, what are we doing? Is he really the best? Blah, blah, blah. He played worse than his capabilities in those postseasons, particularly in the rounds that he left in. And so it left people to be like, ah, maybe this guy isn't who we think he is. Those people were wrong. But I understood that argument. That's not what happens with Jokic. He actually, he's even better in the playoffs. It's it's craziness. The only thing, like the, the biggest demerit you can give him as a playoff is like the, the, the losing of cool and like some really, some pretty ugly ejections, frankly. Yeah, the last sure. Of like, For sure. Like that's, that, that's, that's certainly fair. But yeah, no, I mean, I think from a, from a when he's on the court standpoint, I think his playoff resume is pretty unassailable. Yeah. In it's, terms of it's, it, it, basically. And, and the funny thing is, is I think that, uh, that the playoffs actually made him like the, if you remember the, the, the first round of the bubble, there was that series, the jazz and the nuggets and the jazz looked like they decided, all right, we're not letting Jokic beat us with his passing. We're going to make him score 40 every night. To beat us. And, and we don't think it's not that we don't think he can do that. We don't think he wants to do that. Right. And it took him a couple of games. And then he was like, oh, I can get buckets. And he basically hasn't, <laughs> and he basically hasn't stopped since then. Like yeah. the level of, 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 well, I'm just going to score. Like I like passing is cool, but buckets are, are cool too. Like, and he just hasn't looked back since then. 
Like he's taken his offense, like his not just his playmaking, but his scoring game inside, outside, on the move. Like that, 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 like he catches the ball at the elbow and he turns and shoots that little floater in the middle. What do you do with that? He's, he's, he is the deadliest crunch time weapon in the NBA. I don't care what anybody says. As much as I love Steph, I love KD. Those dudes are getting you jump shots from 20 feet and beyond. They can make those shots. They're great at them. Jokic will get you a freaking seven-footer. A seven-foot shot with the game on the line consistently if you try to guard him with one person. And if you don't, it's a wide-open jump shot. I, I, I'm, I'm done. I, I don't yeah. even need to do this anymore. <laughs> it's just, it's just to me. If you, if you don't watch this dude, and again, I'm, I'm invested in my own pick and sounding smart. So I'm invested in my own vanity. So I end up watching a lot of Nuggets games, and I just watch it. I'm just like, you can't do anything with this dude. Nothing. And so, you know, obviously he's the MVP to me. I think they're going to show. I think Denver's going to surprise people how well they play in the playoffs. Ultimately, I think they're going to go to the finals. I think they'll win, but obviously I wouldn't be surprised if they lost, right? I just think, you know, I just think the world of the guy and what he's doing. But we do got to get up out of here. Tell before the we go, they, before, yes, please, before go we go, I'm, I'm, as a fan, I am excited for Denver in the playoffs, both because of Jokic, but the number of different matchups where it's Aaron Gordon versus whoever. Mm. <laughs> What's up, bro? <laughs> he almost let me finish. He almost Seth's let me finish. son right. is beautiful, bro. Wow. <laughs> All right. I guess that's my cue to get out of here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All Bruce, right. Bruce Part now making his uh, his daily podcast appearance. Tell the people Ow. where they can find your stuff. What's up, Bruce? Let your dad tell it. Plug his work. We want him to shill up here. He's tired of dad not showing him attention, man. He needs your attention, Seth. <laughs> so you can find I'm you know writing probably about once or twice a month right now at the Athletic Weekly on Nerder She Wrote. Big stuff coming before the playoffs in the Athletic. Got my my pre postseason player tiers are going to come out, which I always love that. Always draws gets, uh, gets the people going. Every, yep, everyone everyone agrees with everything I say on that every time. <laughs> so we're gonna do that before the postseason, and we're gonna do it in the summer, as like we always do. A uh, couple times a week, you can find over at Dunk Dog, and then Odekiel and I are, are regularly you know doing live streams of games on playback. Uh, we're having a lot of fun with that. We, you know, Mo's got a very good eye for the game, and we just kind of rap and watch and end up watching a lot of Thunder. Actually, you talked earlier about them mm. defensively. Like we've been watching a ton. Yeah. they're great to watch. Yeah, they're what, you know, Toronto th thinks they're doing every year when they draft these rangy, young, athletic guys. But it's actually working over there. But And that's probably because they have a freaking actual star. Yeah. On can can I make a plug, actually? Yes, Since please talk towards Jalen Williams, rookie of the year. Okay. <laughs> okay. We, we might have to get you back on for some postseason awards at some point because I know you're going to have some spice. But yeah, that's our show for today. I want to thank again the man with the wettest jump shot in NBA media, Seth Partnow. I want to thank my producer, Jade Whaley, because she is the greatest to ever do it. Appreciate you, Jay. She keeps the trains running on time. Make sure you check out everything else on the Ringer NBA feed. We're going to start hitting you with more stuff, more weekend stuff, more group chat, more everything as the playoffs start rolling in here. So be, be on the lookout for that. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. Peace.